Everybody, Coach John Daly here, back again. Uh, a little special treat. I'm resurrecting uh, an interview I did with our superintendent, Dr. Joe DiPonio. Uh, and he gave, uh, gave me an interview for my leadership students uh, just a couple months ago. So it was during, uh, kind of toward the end of the school year for my seniors. Um, you know, we were fully at home, uh, working as best we could uh, through the pandemic. And uh, so a lot of that is being discussed in this, uh, in this interview. But I want you to focus in on the lessons and the stories um, that you can gain some insight uh, from this man. Um, he's a caring educator. Um, he's done a great job leading us through these times that, you know, there's no playbook for this. There's no set of rules or a manual uh, on how to get through this stuff. Uh, but Joe is a very dear friend of mine. He's a great boss to work for. Um, he loves getting back in the classroom, and unfortunately, as we talked about at the beginning, um, this was on, on a Zoom call, um, so he, we weren't in the classroom together, which uh, he really missed, but uh, the essence of this interview uh, is really powerful, and I think you're going to enjoy learning a lot of, of things from him, um, and place yourself in the seats uh, in a classroom, being a senior. And, and maybe trying to have some empathy for them as they uh, have graduated uh, the class of 2020, as they have graduated into a world with even more uncertainty than ever before. You know, we all graduate with uncertainty and worries and concerns um, when we are in high school and leaving uh, and as we get older. But uh, this year takes the cake for that. And so um, take to heart the lessons here. Uh, take some notes, and I bet you can find some nuggets in here that can help you, and maybe somebody you know too that you can pass this on to. Uh, so again, uh, be um, gracious if you could uh, leave me some uh, kind words here. Reach out. I will put uh, some contact information for Dr. Joe DiPonio uh, in the show notes, so you can reach out to him too if you want to. Uh, but again, uh, pass this along. Uh, share some uh, some stories with us too, and uh, again, you know where to find me. Look in the show notes. Uh, there won't be the usual wrap up at the end. Uh, we'll just go right to the music. But uh, hope you enjoy this, and uh, hope you guys are well. Take care of yourselves and each other. And enjoy this interview with Dr. Joe DiPonio. Everybody, Mr. Daly here. I guess you don't need an introduction to this guy to my left. Uh, I don't know where he's showing up on your screen, but Dr. DePonio has joined us. Uh, he's been one of our uh, mainstay speakers in this course um, ever since he was principal uh, with us at the high school uh, years ago. And uh, I wanted to make sure we got him in to uh, record um, some leadership thoughts and some ideas and success principles and a little bit of his backstory on all that. But I'm so glad he could join us because he's a busy guy. He is traveling all the time, either at 696 or other places, to and from school, to and from home, doing a lot. So, Dr. DePonio, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good, buddy. I'm good. Thank you for, for having me. And uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to, to speak to class of 2020 and uh, your, your leadership class. And, um, boy, I wish I was in your classroom right now doing this rather than uh, – via a recorded Zoom session, but yep. uh, it is what it is. So. Yep. 
So do I. I wish you were there with me and, uh, and all the kids. And uh, I think we'd have, uh, you know, a more connection, a bigger, a better, better time, I think. But this is going to suffice because this is all we got. And uh, like we were talking about before, things could be worse. And uh, we, we are blessed um, to have a roof over our head and to be with our family and to keep moving forward in this. So um, now, originally, you are from Michigan. Correct. I am. Yeah. But you, you went to college out of state. So why don't, why don't we back the truck up a little bit? Tell tell the kids where you grew up. Um, what kind of family did you grow up in? Siblings and all that. And uh, what were you like as a kid with athletics and having fun and probably getting into a little mischief once in a while. But whatever you want to share yeah. with them would be great. So yeah, I grew up on the uh, the west side of the city. Um, uh, I was born in Royal Oak and and grew up in that area. Uh, went to to um, you know, elementary and middle school, uh, you know, obviously high school, um, went to, you know, as I don't know if you've shared with the class, but went to uh, the arch nemesis of your alma mater, Catholic Central. Uh, I went to Brother Rice High School um, and uh, had some amazing teachers along the way. It was, uh, you know, a, a great moment. And, you know, I, I think back to, um, the, the opportunities that I had and just the impact that high school had on me. Uh, and it, it's been a driving force in, in my career to try and make sure that everyone has the same level of experience mm. uh, in high school, that when they graduate uh, 10 years down the road, that they look back on their high school experience and they can, you know, with, without hesitation, say how much they love their school uh, and that that relationship with their school continues to grow uh, as they get older. Um, so anyway, so, you know, after high school, uh, and, and just, you know, so everyone knows, I was an absolute horrible student. I think I graduated high school with a uh, 2.06 grade point average. Um, you know, I, I got, uh, I, I, I did not get accepted from just about every school in the state of Michigan. I didn't even bother with anything with Michigan or Michigan State. I knew I had no chance whatsoever, but um, I, I know, you know, uh, your alma mater of Central Michigan shot me down, Western shot me down. Uh, I think the only, the only in-state school that I was able to, to get accepted into was Northern Michigan, um, and it was just because um, uh, of a connection that I had there with, uh, with a, a football coach. Um, I ended up going to college in Western Pennsylvania, small school called California University of Pennsylvania. Uh, wow. It's right south of Pittsburgh. Uh, and actually, for the first time in my known Lakeshore history, we have a, a student that graduated from Lakeshore High School that is actually attending California University of Pennsylvania for her master's degree. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And so uh, it's the first time I've been waiting forever. <laughs> honors night or commencements to to find someone that was going down to Cal PA uh, and haven't had that moment yet uh, but uh, for graduate school one of our our uh, Lakeshore alums uh, is headed there anyways so uh, when I was in uh, at California Pennsylvania I met my wife Tammy uh, she's from Western Pennsylvania and when we graduated um, uh, college uh, we applied, she's an educator as well. We applied for teaching jobs back in Detroit, uh, around the Pittsburgh area, where her family's at. And out in Kansas City, 
uh, where my father had moved to. So my parents got divorced when I was in seventh grade. Mm. Uh, my dad uh, moved out to the Kansas City area. And, uh, and so we put applications in, in Kansas City, Detroit, and Pennsylvania, and uh, ended up getting my first teaching job. Uh, I was an eighth grade history teacher out in Kansas City, Kansas public schools. Uh, and we were out there for a number of years until we, uh, we moved back to Michigan uh, back in, I think it was around 2010. So um, I got three kids, uh, two of which are out of high school and one is still working his way through high school. Uh, my oldest son, Dominic, is 20. My daughter, Natalie, uh, just turned 19. Wow. Um, and then uh, my youngest son, uh, Nico, is, uh, is 16. So uh, we're just, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to survive in this time. We've got two dogs, uh, Bailey and Berkeley, and uh, they bark way too much right now, and the kids bite too much right now, and everything's a little bit crazy. But uh, when you, you stop and think about it, um, you know, you, you forget to count your blessings. It's an easy thing to do because uh, I know that, um, you know, a lot of people are, are going through really, really tough times right now. Absolutely. So, uh, you try and try and keep that in mind every time a dog barks and it wears you out, wears on your nerves, you think, ah, things could be a whole lot worse. So you so, probably need to have, you, you should have, you should have told me that 15 minutes ago because our dog Kirby, you know, a delivery trucks outside or some little noise, he is just letting the world know that he's on guard and uh, he's, he's uh, taking it easy right now. I don't know if we can. There he is. <laughs> he's resting right now so i hope that continues um so with you not being with you not being a great student um was athletics a big part of your life did you find um some connection with athletics and was it certain coaches or did you have teachers even though you didn't did you like school i loved school i just gotcha. didn't like school work um you know the, the school part was fun it was the academics that uh you know, I just didn't apply myself. I wasn't uh, committed to it. You know, I think back on it, and I think, boy, if I had really, um, if I had really applied myself, I think I probably could have gone to some, uh, some, you know, impressive places. But uh, you know, in the grand scheme of life, it's not necessarily about, you know, your diploma and, and what's set on it. it. It it really is how much you're willing to roll up your sleeves and um, and work through difficult situations. I had an aha moment where I realized I had screwed up the chances of moving on to college. Um, and it was just uh, out of, uh, out of luck of being a, uh, you know, a, a decent wrestler that I ended up getting into college and, and you know, able to, to move through that. But, um, you know, I, I, I loved school. I loved my teachers. And I know that I probably disappointed a lot of them because they, they found on me to get some stuff done. But I would, you know, if there was a party to go to, I wanted to go to it. If there was, you know, um, just hanging out at someone's house rather than doing homework, I was I was interested in that as well. Um, so, you know, I, I it's not that I was anti-school. I was pro-school. I love, love school. Uh, I was just anti-school work. I was anti-work ethic. Um, but you know, everyone has their moment where they, they wake up and they realize, you know, if I want to, if I want to move on, uh, in some sort of positive direction, because I know eventually I'm going to have family that relies on me. I'm going to have bills to pay. I've got to take care of those responsibilities. I got to have something to, to back that stuff up. Yeah. And really Mr. Daly, the, the, the biggest thing in my life was I had, I had some real strong driving force, uh, teachers and coaches that, um, that 
I think I know were frustrated with how I was doing from time to time, uh, but they never gave up on me and they mm -hmm. would constantly be pushing me. Um, and, you know, I think of, of some of those names, uh, you know, a guy like um, Mr. Major, uh, Coach Popson, who I know you, you, you're familiar with, um, Coach Fracasa, uh, you know, I had uh, Mrs. Pinnock, uh, my fifth grade um, teacher, and, um, you know, the, the, those people really played a, a huge role. And so just a little bit about Mr. Popson. Um, you know, here's a guy who, um, who, for whatever reason, and I know, you know, later in life, I've come to find out that he did this for just about every, every kid that he came into contact with, which was amazing to me because he, I mean, he loved you like you were his son and he would get after you like you were his son. He knew when to wrap his arm around you and give you a hug and he knew when to wrap his arm around your neck and give it a, a squeeze. Um, but it, it was a, a person like that that just kind of takes you under their wing and says, you know, if, if you want to be successful in life, it's no secret. You work and you work and you work and you take care of people and you be a decent human being and things usually end up being um, pretty good. Uh, but if you're not the nicest person and you, you're, you don't work the hardest, then life can be a little bit challenging at times. And uh, he, was, he was one of those people that, that really, um, you know, drove that point home. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when uh, you and I first met when you started uh, as principal at the high school. It was one of the first days and I walked in the office and you were out there talking to people. And so I introduced myself. We started talking and uh, kind of this little back, back and forth about background. And when you said you went to Brother Rice, I just kind of remember standing back and we looked at each other and you knew right away uh, that I went to CC and we've had a lot of fun with that. And then you know, you throw uh, Dr. Lip in the mix going to De La Salle and, uh, uh, you know, that, that adds uh, a lot of fun to, uh, to the building there for a few years. Um, then later for on, those, you know, for the, for the students that might not, you know, fully grasp it, it's, it's Lakeshore Lakeview is the equivalency of Brother Ray's Catholic Central. Absolutely. Um, uh, only it's like full testosterone because they're both all boys schools. And yes. so, you know, they throw that into the mix and it's just a big, big bunch of knuckleheads uh, disliking each other. So Absolutely. Anyways. Yeah, and uh, I went to school um, when CC's campus was in Redford on Breakfast Drive. And in, nearby in the city of Redford, they had a street called Beatrice, Beat Rice. Right. Those right. signs would get stolen all the time. <laughs> yes. And, and it's, they're passed down through, through generations. And um, I remember yeah. when... CC moved out to Novi at their, at their current and probably final campus site um, at the planning commission in Novi. Um, might have been Father Renaletti at the time asked one of the, you know, asked the, the panel, the, the city commission, do you guys have any streets named Beatrice in the city of Novi or in this area? Because that, we got to fix that. And um, of course they don't. And so, but those signs just really, um, really are just uh, bringing back some great memories. And I know they are for you. Um, sure. yeah. So when Dr. Deponio and I, um, probably one of your first years there, we started kicking around this whole idea of one-to-one -one learning and getting technology sure. in the classrooms. And we started um, talking to other school districts and Catholic Central was one that went to a um, all digital, no textbook, no regular textbook type stuff. So when right. we went out, went out to campus there to, uh, 
meet with the principal, meet with the technology people and their uh, couple teachers and a couple students. Um, we got there and CC has their crest right on the floor uh, in one of their main hallways outside the chapel. And so we get there and I, I told Dr. Ponio, I said, listen, they, they, the seniors of the first class, when they opened this place up, started a tradition that you cannot walk on that crest. You go around it. And, and Dr. Ponio's eyes lit up. He says, walk on it. I'm going to spit the biggest loogie on top of there. And I was like, oh, Joe, please don't do that. You know, you're going to get his both thrown out. I'll never be welcome back. And so we went walking in there. He sees it and he just kind of takes a step and he steps right around it like the, the good man that he is. Uh, but in the meeting room, they had all these digital images, you guys, um, of uh, sports teams and throughout history, black and white. You know, the school opened up in 1928. And so uh, on the wall, there's a picture of our Catholic League championship soccer team that I was a part of. And then probably three feet over, two feet up, there was a shot of uh, one of the many CC Rice football games. And, and what number were you? Because you saw it right away and you pointed at it that there you were. Now, my ver I got to get a picture of this. My version is that you're being pushed back and falling yeah. down backwards. You Ooh. see it where you were the one pushing forward. Is that it? I was making a game-saving tackle is what was going on there. And it, I, I, it was a head-scratcher because clearly I was the dominant player in that. And why they would put that on their wall is beyond me. But, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, quite, a, quite a small world moment where here we are, you know, brought together by work, uh, and we realized that we're just a, a few feet apart uh, chronicled in the history of of your school there yeah absolutely that was, really cool. that was awesome so that was a, that was a great moment we had a lot of fun with that and and we still do um yeah. so with mr popson did you when you graduated from brother rice was it like yep i'm gonna be a teacher i'm fired up and ready to go when did that when did that light switch get turned on about being a teacher um and the subject matter and all that and have you done any coaching too yeah so it it was before i graduated high school i i want to say uh, maybe my freshman or sophomore year of high school that wow. I, I knew I was going to go into teaching. Nice. Um, I had such great teachers and I wanted to be them. They were that, mm. that kind of person that I thought that's the kind of person that I want to be. And I had heard, you know, I mean, you, you always hear well, teaching's underpaid and uh, underappreciated and it's difficult work, which all of it is absolutely true. Um, but when you talk about what is most rewarding, um, you know, I, I could see for them, for those teachers, for guys like Mr. Pops and Coach Fricasa and uh, Mr. Majors and Ms. Pinnock, um, that they weren't necessarily doing it just because they, they wanted a big paycheck or they wanted to be, um, you know, they wanted to be this prestigious person. Uh, but I could see they wanted to do it because they wanted to be an important part of the community. Mm. And I thought that was one of the coolest things. Every time I, I, I remember um, uh, Mr. Major's house, Coach Major's house, like it was the, it was on this, you know, it wasn't a giant mansion. It was a very humble home in the street. Uh, but you just knew that it was a special place because everybody around there had the greatest respect for him. And uh, they knew the impact that he had on, on the kids uh, and, and I thought I could do some good by, mm. by helping some kids out from time to time. And, um, so yeah, that's, I, I wanted to be the, your, your classic high school teacher and coach and, 
Um, you know, I wanted to enjoy Friday night football games, standing on the sidelines uh, and wrestling matches and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, I knew early on wow. uh, that I wanted to be, I wanted to be Mr. Popson. He, mm. he meant that much to me that I wanted to make, I wanted to devote my life to um, the kind of stuff that, that he did. It was, uh, it was worth uh, emulating. That's awesome. And the other connection, there's a lot of connections here between he and I, uh, you guys that uh, we found out over the years of when we start talking about Mr. Popson, um, I knew exactly who he was talking about. I grew up with Mr. Popson's son, Matt, who also went to Brother Rice, but uh, the two of us, we met at Kmart at uh, Tel 12, Telegraph 12 Mile. And uh, I remember going to Mr. Popson's, uh, the Popson family's house, um, spent the night uh, once or twice, had dinner with them. And everything that, that Joe has said is totally true about that man welcoming um, anybody into their house. If, if they were one of the kids, one of his kids' friends, you were a family member. And um, to hear that connection, um, I knew he was a special man, but now it's, it was one of those things that just vaulted up in, in the ranking, so to speak, when I heard Dr. Ponio talking about the connection that he had with him. Um, so at your grad party, Mr. Popson gave you a card. Yes. At, yes. at first, you. you were all fired up about it. Yeah, go ahead. You, you saw it. Look at this. He's got, well, he's got the I, prop. I grab, give, give me 10 cents. My, my wallet. I was reaching for my wallet. It's actually it. in the other room. All right. You, I'll, you start. I'll, I'll fill them in. Right yep. Hold on. I'm still here. Yeah, you got it. So when oh. you guys, when uh, he was talking about this, uh, the first time he spoke to our leadership class, okay, he, I don't know what, I can't remember the kid's name, but the kid was sitting in the front row and, and Dr. Pony looked at that kid, go down to my office, tell Mrs. Imbernoni that you need to go into my office, top drawer, left-hand side, grab my wallet. And the kid did, comes back, and just like you're doing now, what do you have that Mr. Popson gave you? So at my graduation party, he, um, now mind you, this was, uh, this was in 1989. So, you know, we're talking... I don't even know. What is that? 30 years now? 30, 30 for you. I graduated in 84. So that, that's five years older than you. I would have pegged you for graduating in the 70s or even 60s. Thank you, Dr. DePonio. <laughs> that's um, what this will do. You know, for you seniors, and hopefully you can experience a great graduation party and experience a great graduation. We have every, every intention of making sure that that, that occurs. Um, but, you know, we, just like any other kid, you have a graduation party, friends come up, family comes up, you get your card. The first thing that you're opening is you want to open it up, 20 bucks falls out. Yay! You know, that's good stuff. <laughs> and I open up Mr. Popson's card and, and out falls this poem. Um, and, and this poem talks about how your thoughts will determine your destiny. You know, if you think you're beaten, you are. If you think you dare not, you don't. If you'd like to win but think you can't, it's almost certain you won't. Life's battles, uh, you know, sooner or later, don't go the far, stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the person who wins is the person who thinks he can. Mr. Popson saw in me a, a lack of belief in myself. Mm. He found the perfect poem that he wanted me to read on a regular basis to, to really drive home the point that I have to believe in what I'm capable of doing. And if I do that, I will be successful in life. And I've carried this poem with me uh, every day since I was uh, a, an 18 year old kid. Um, it, as you can see, it's, it's apart, it's worn out. 
of all the things that I have in life, John, this, mm. is, this is right up there amongst uh, the, the very highest things. Wow. And of course, I'll pass this on to my, um, you know, my, my kids at some point. I'll make a copy for all three of them so they can, they can have that. But, you know, I think about all of the things that I've spent money on since I've, I've been, you know, a grown man and had a job and all that. And here's, here's this tiny, tiny card laminated and barely held together that has more value to my life than almost any material possession that I have. Wow. And I'm sure some of you out there will hear that and you'll think, well, you're an idiot or whatever. And I am an idiot. That's very true. But, it, but it's things like this that, um, that I think really uh, capture what, what's important in life. You know, and I think a lot about what's going on right now and how difficult all of this stuff is and that it's robbing people of, of a lot of moments. Uh, but it's also robbing, you know, I mean, it's robbing people of, of what's most important, which is life itself. Um, uh, and to me, I guess this is another symbol of that, you know, there, a lot of things can be replaced. Um, it's the irreplaceable moments. It's the irreplaceable relationships. Um, it, it, it's things like that that you really have to dig deep and start to appreciate, especially in this day and age. So, you know, here's Mr. Popson, who's been gone for, um, you know, several years now, um, who continues to provide lessons in my life and um, provides, um, you know, something always to reflect back on of just how lucky I was to know such a great, great man. So, Thank you, Mr. Popson, once again for another lesson. Well, love that. And I love how you have held on to it. And I love how that still drives your life. Um, a lot of what that says on that card, and you, and, you, and you spoke so perfectly about there's plenty of times in life that we have to believe in someone else's belief in us in order to move forward and do things. And, and he had that for you. And that's fantastic. And you, you are still that educator. Um, taking those lessons and helping so many other people out. There, there was a young man that you, you told us about before uh, when you were a teacher in, in Kansas City that really kind of connected with you, that you uh, spoke about. Ike, was it Ike Hilliard? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Share, share a little story of, of what he meant to you and, and that connection that just probably really fortified you as an educator of, of somebody this, that you were in the right spot. Yeah, he, so this, he was an eighth grader at uh, Eisenhower Middle School in Kansas City, Kansas. And, you know, I, th I when I first moved out there, you know, I'm thinking Kansas, I, there, can't be any, there can't be any urban uh, inner city areas in, in Kansas. You know, it's all wheat fields and, you know, farmers and stuff like that. Well, Kansas City, Kansas uh, is, is, is as rough an area as, as you could ever imagine. A number of streets, you know, in Detroit, um, and and the school I was in was uh, an urban school district. Um, you know, it, it had close to 100% free and reduced lunch, which is uh, a, you know, a, I guess a indicator of, you know, of uh, an area that might be a little bit more challenging than another. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to know this kid, Ike. Hilliard, who, who seemed like a great kid, but you could just tell he, he needed some, some help. Um, you know, he didn't know how to handle conflict. Uh, he didn't know uh, certain things that you would just take for granted if you're raised in a home that, that is constantly teaching. And he needed a lot of basic things. He needed, like, 
clothes yeah. and food and, you know, things like that. And he was a heck of a athlete as well. Um, and he was a smart, smart kid, but you couldn't get past a lot of the things that a lot of the calluses that had formed in his life. You know, it, it, he, he had, uh, he had a tough, tough life because he had a tough, tough upbringing and he never had moment for rest and he never had moment for joy. Mm. And I think because of that, he, he developed this, this really tough skin, um, that, that made it hard for Ike to be who he could be. Wow. And I, you know, I'll tell you, I, I, I drove him home uh, after practice on a, a number of nights and I just don't know how anyone could live in the environment that he lived in. And for him to be decent the way he was, uh, even though he had his moments, I mean, he had, he had some tough times cause he had to be a tough kid growing up in a tough area. Um, uh, it just made you count one, count your own blessings and then think, boy, uh, if he was raised under different circumstances or he, he was in a different situation, um, you know, what sort of opportunity would he have? And, you know, regardless of whatever your political beliefs are, um, you know, the, there's a, there's a reality there that I learned from, from Ike that we're blessed being born into certain situations and other people I don't want to say they're cursed because family and love are really the, the most important things, but he certainly had a lot of baggage just because he had a, a he was dealt a bad hand of where he was born. Um, and as, you know, as the year progressed and I got to know Ike a, a lot better, um, you know, I could see there were certain things that he was going to have a hard time overcoming in his life. And, and uh, because he was blessed with certain skills that, um, uh, he was going to be okay. And, uh, you know, fortunately he, he went on to, to have a great high school career and he went on to college. He was the first kid out of his uh, family to, to go to college uh, wow. and to graduate from college. Um, and, and he's gone on to, to really do, do well in life. So, um, you know, it, it just, it, to me, it, it, it drove home a number of points, but one of those points being that, life is not a sprint life is a marathon if you don't like where you're at today it might not change by tomorrow but five years down the road it might be where you're at you know when I was getting out of high school and I had almost no choices of where I wanted to go uh, Mr. Popson was one that told me Joe you're not going to get into Michigan but you can get into Michigan if you went to OCC for two years and you got your act together hmm. um, and, and he said, you, you have to look down the road for things. You know, you drive down the highway and there's bad stretches. But you get past those bad stretches and there's, there's some smooth pavement to in there. Maybe not in the state of Michigan. Maybe you've got to go somewhere else. But still, it, it, it exists. And so here we are in a really tough time period. Um, but it's not going to be like this forever. It, it, it's going to get better. Uh, it might be different. But there's blessings in that differences, uh, those differences. You know, I saw something on social media that said, um, you know, when everyone's eager to get back to, to normal, but we have to evaluate whether or not something is worth getting back to. Are there, are there aspects um, of our past life that we don't need to do anymore? It, it, maybe there's something that's better that, that this has opened our eyes to. 
Um, and you can't see those things if you, if, if you don't open your eyes. Mm. Powerful stuff. Good. Um, something just came to my mind when you're talking about Ike Hilliard, uh, about previous times you've shared your story. Um, there's a special person in your life as far as your, your grandfather goes, isn't there? Yeah. And, and share some stuff there, because I remember in previous classes that you've spoken to, that was um, always one of the major points that the kids would pull out of your talk. Uh, yeah. of, of your relationship with your grandfather and the lessons you learned. Sure. Yeah, so my grandfather immigrated to the United States when he was 16 years old. He came from Italy mm. and he, he hopped on a boat at 16 years old. Uh, didn't know a person on the boat. Didn't know a person when he arrived uh, to the United States. He had the, the, the classic uh, immigration uh, story to the United States. Um, he was uh, educated up through uh, I want to say it was third grade, and then he had no formal education after that. Mm. Uh, worked uh, all his life. You know, he worked for uh, uh, Ford Motor Company. He retired from Ford Motor Company, but he worked for Pepsi Cola at one point. Um, he lost his job from Pepsi uh, during World War II because he was Italian and uh, Italy was an en enemy of the United States. Um, you know, he was he poor almost all of his life uh and when he passed away he had amassed um one wealth that i think most people are impressed by um certainly in this day and age where we rack up debt and credit cards and all that stuff he never owed anyone a thing uh built every home that he lived in by his by his own hands Wow. Um, you know, he, uh, he, he was a, a hardworking, tough guy. He was almost, he was kind of an intimidating guy. Um, you know, he, he, he spoke very broken English. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in spite of that tough exterior that I saw from him a lot, and like, I was afraid if you left the lights on, he would, you know, he'd lay into you about it. If, if you didn't tighten your belt properly, he, he would, he didn't like that either. Uh, he, you know, if you wasted stuff, because he grew up in poverty, if you wasted things, he viewed that as a, like, just an insult. How, you know, you're too spoiled. You, you shouldn't be leaving stuff on your plate. You shouldn't be doing this. But I, with him, there was also this super sensitive side uh, to my grandfather that, um, that I always uh, remember. Um, you know, I, I remember with my, my youngest son, when my youngest son was really little, um, boy, his eyes would light up when, uh, when he got to see him. You know, he, he just loved to hold him, and he loved to, uh, to pinch his cheeks, and um, he, he, loved, uh, he loved that. Um, and when my grandmother got really ill, he took care of her like, like uh, you can't even imagine. And here he wasn't in the best of health himself, but, um, but all of that tough exterior that, again, I think maybe he had to develop because he grew up in tough circumstances, it all went back to this basic level of humanity, mm. love for your, your loved ones, caring for your loved ones, making sure that their most basic needs are, are being met. Uh, and so he, he's a guy that, you know, he, he, he talks, um, talked about, um, you know, a, a number of things that I, I think... Uh, you know, mean a, a great deal to me. Um, things like, you know, service to others before you take care of yourself and everything. Uh, if you're going to grab a piece of pizza, make sure everyone around you gets theirs first and take yours last. 
Um, if you're going through a door and you're with a group of people, let them go through the door first. And to me, those are, those, that's symbolic of greater things in life. What can you do for someone else before you do for yourself? Uh, lack of selfishness. Um, you know, he, he talked a lot about um, uh, sharpen your mind. Be, be as smart as you can be. And here's a guy who had a third grade education. But boy, he could fix anything. He could do anything. And he managed money like you can't even imagine. Um, sharpen your mind, he would say. Um, he'd say strengthen your body. Like you don't want to be weak. You, you want to be around for the long run. Uh, and, uh, and he lived to be 96 years old. So you know, he, he prepared his body for the long haul. Wow. And he would say um, soften your heart. Mm. You know, be the kind of person that that can feel the emotions of others and um, and love those people uh, based upon what they need. So um, you know the whole idea of sharpen your mind, strengthen your body, soften your heart. Uh, I think those three things are that's a pretty good way to live your life. Uh, if, you, if you do those three things, I think when you're 96, if you make it to 96, um, you, you can look back on life and say, boy, that was that was pretty good. Wow, and that's more importantly, everybody around you um, will say, I, I'm sure glad that I was able to know that person. Mm, powerful stuff. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad I remembered that, that story to ask because that made just a huge impact on me. Did your grandfather ever say why he left Italy in the first place? What was the driving reason that 16 years old to get on a boat and cross the Atlantic Ocean, he didn't know, didn't know anybody. You could only carry so much, you know, your pockets are only so big that you can put stuff in and then to wind up having a family and just making things work to where that decision, that one decision influenced so many more people. Look at your life, look at your kids, look at just everybody. Yeah. So to clarify, my great grandfather, his father was already in America. Okay. He came over here first. Pasquale Deponio, and he was here for a number of years until he made enough money to send for uh, my grandfather. Gotcha. And so cool. the family came over. They couldn't afford for everyone to come at the same time. Man. And so, but but when they made that trip, I mean, I, you know, I think of our exchange students that that were trying to get back to China right now. Yes. And how fearful their family is, and how fearful we are to put these 16 year old kids on a plane, mm -hmm. direct flight from Detroit to Beijing, but we're afraid to send them. Here's a guy who's gonna land in New York City by himself after traveling, I think it was like 20 something days on a boat, sailing across uh, the Atlantic Ocean. And here now, you know, they finally land and, uh, and he's gotta find people, he's gotta find how to get to, from New York City out to Detroit. I could you ever send your kids to do that? Nope. I, I couldn't do that myself now. No. No. We we have a hard time, you know, we gotta drive out to Lansing. I'm I gotta have Waze on and Google Maps and <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, so God. um you know I I'm just I'm always mesmerized and I'm I really uh uh I I would always, I, I felt like I was really good at getting him to talk. And, um, and towards 
you know, as he got older, I, I started to record and cell phones became more readily available. Yes. I started to record our conversations. I'd ask him about his years at Ford. Um, I've got this great story recorded about when he was hungry and he was in Italy, him and his brother would just go out and they'd look for bird's nests and they'd either try and find eggs out of the bird's nest or they'd try and make traps to catch the birds. And they'd just, they'd bring these, you know, like, I don't know, random birds back home and, and their mom would then make some sort of meal. Oh my God. Oh wow. So like, why did they come to America? It was economic. They wanted a better life. And the United States was, was the land of opportunity for, mm-hmm. for as it continues to be today for a lot of people. That's right. Um, so, um, yeah, his stories were just, uh, were unbelievable. His years at Ford, he had great stories at Ford. Um, you know, just so many different things. He, it was, you know, it, I, I, I don't ever, I look back on my time with him and I couldn't be more thrilled to, to one, to have his name. His name was Giuseppe. My name's Joe. Um, you know, to be able to share those stories and, and to be able to tell those stories and that I've captured those so that, um, you know, so that uh, my family can, can look back on that stuff as well. Powerful stuff. And that just, you know, part of that leadership, the servant heart, realizing um, things are bigger than yourself. You know, uh, I just, and I always want our seniors to remember now's the time, especially if, if you're with family or you're going to get to see them later this summer, ask questions, ask questions of grandma and grandpa, older aunts and uncles and everybody, because there's a wealth of, of knowledge there. You got a couple extra minutes here for a couple yeah, questions. Okay. A uh, couple things I want to just throw at you. This is not scripted or anything, and this hasn't been part of his story from before, but um, throughout all this, what's something you miss that surprises you? And then also what's something that you don't miss that surprises you? Well, I mean, the thing I miss the most is being able to pop into the schools and, and see everybody, to see our students. I mean, it's heartbreaking to uh, to see the, the senior class. And I was actually uh, driving through a neighborhood today and I saw um, one of our seniors uh, was turning 18 today you know they made a little sign outside so um you know i honked the horn and talked a little bit with her see how things are going you know that's that's the toughest thing i i just missed the routine of getting up and going into the office you know i shaved today for for (laughs) actually i I showered today as well for this nice Um, but uh you know there's i'm sure like a lot of people days go by and you know, it's easy to get into a rut. You start staying up too late. You can't start watching something on Netflix. And, uh, you know, the next thing you know, it's it's 12 a.m. And I'm normally in bed by 10 at the latest. Yeah. Um, you know, the things that I, I don't miss uh, that I hope we don't go back to, I think there's been a tremendous amount of innovation in how we deliver instruction and how we uh, what we're asking kids to do. Some of the things that I've seen on social media and in discussions with teachers and students, uh, I, I hope we don't go back to tradition because I think traditional is not something that has the same value as it once did. Mm. Um, you know, if I want to know something about anything, actually, I'll tell you just a real quick story. We have a hunting cabin up north and we've been talking about building a pole barn. And so we kind of staked it out where each corner of the place would be. But when you build it, you can't just go based on 
eyeballing where things would be. So <laughs> I measured one side and I measured the other side. And then I think that I have it square. Um, but I, I, I know that it's not perfectly square and it has to be because once they start putting lumber up, if it's not square, it's going to be a goofy looking building and things won't fit. So I, I, you know, what do I do? I go right to Google. How do I make sure something's square? And it talks about the Pythagorean theorem. Uh, a squared plus B squared equals C squared. And so when you're looking at a, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to make sure that this is square. Love it. Uh, a and B, you know, the, the height and the width. Uh, C is that angle. And so if I can find the distance of this, then I can square everything out. But I have to be able to find the distance of this. Well, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. Yes, so yes. what do I do? I Google it, I look it up, and I, I, I'm able to solve for that. Now, when's the last time that I used the Pythagorean theorem? <laughs> it, it was when I was being taught it, and I have not used it since then. So probably sometime in 1988 or 1987, was when I learned that. Mm. And I didn't need it until the COVID quarantine of 2020. <laughs> That's but amazing. I was able to find it, and I had a real application for it. So I, I guess what I'm hoping to see is that we really challenged ourselves to say, well, what's more important? Is it the learning experience? Is it the experience that we're creating to learn? Or is it the content? Because content, mm. content is available at any time. It's right. the learning experience that we really need to, to develop. So um, I guess that's, you know, that, that would be like the technical stuff that, that um, you know, I, I wouldn't see us need to rush to get back to. Right. Yeah, the content I get. One thing I've seen, um, again, that I, I didn't know I'd miss my students this much, and I didn't know I'd miss my coworkers this much. Yeah, the the yeah. face-to-face interaction, I think, cannot be replaced. But Absolutely. I think the experiences like you just talked about of what we can talk about and share and uh, learn about those things have definitely widened as far as, you know, the number of things that we get to choose to do now to, and talk about and share yeah. and connect with. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, you're definitely right. How about um, what's giving you hope right now? Uh, oh, boy, what's giving me hope right now? Um, it's not watching the news. Amen to that. That's not it. You know, I think it's anytime I do see someone, like the staff meeting for the high school uh, earlier this morning, just being able to see people that I haven't seen in, you know, almost months now, uh, that gives me hope that someday soon we'll see those people again. Yeah, love um, that. You know, I, I, I see, and I guess the other thing, which has been so overwhelmingly prominent is I see so many kind gestures that people are doing. Everybody is like going out of their way to help one another. That's something that I hope continues. Mm. Um, I, I think people are nicer right now. I think people are kinder right now. I think they, they want to do good things for others right now. They want to serve others before they serve themselves. Mm. Uh, they, they've softened their hearts. Uh, things that might otherwise uh, annoy them. Uh, now I feel like uh, maybe they're, they're trying to do something. 
I know that it, it impacted me in some of those ways as well, where I might, you know, if I'm driving down the road and I'm honking at someone, now I think, boy, I don't know what they're going through, so no need to be a jerk to them. Well, that's another, I'm not gonna miss the traffic. It's, there's no traffic anywhere. You drive anywhere, it's nice and easy. Yes. Um, you know, so it'll be nice not, you know, I, that's nice. I, I, I guess I won't look forward to going back to that. I love that. Yeah, there, there's definitely, uh, I remember, I think back to like 9-11, those first few days after, people were just unbelievably nice letting people in. And yeah. I've seen mostly nice, nice gestures. I've seen some unfortunate ones too in the stores and, yeah. you know, right. some people that get worked up. But again, if you can think, what are they going through? I try not to judge, but I still am woefully uh, insufficient at that. Um, how about real quick, what's a story from a book, movie, article, or conversation that you've been gripped by recently? And what did it capture? What did it tell you? Have you done more reading? Have you watched a movie? Have you had more conversations? Is there something recently that has really kind of uh, yeah. made an imprint on you? Yeah. So um, I am uh, mesmerized by people who open up their own zoos for lions and tigers. Uh, I'm gripped by that. And the fact that someone would have a mullet to the extent that Bill Exotic did is just, uh, it, it's, it's captivating to me. Oh. So that tells you the depth of, the, the, of what I'm feeding my brain. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Mesmerized to know whether or not um, what what's her name? What what's the name of the lady that killed her? Killed her? Carol Baskins. I want to know: Did Carol Baskins <laughs> feed her first husband to the lions? Oh my God! I, I want to know that. Someone's got to get that answer to me. I I was once most intrigued by who killed John F. Kennedy. Now it's Carol Baskin's first son. Uh, okay. I, I loved how he, it was like on the game show, you guys, the phone a friend. He was able to yell over and get an that's answer. Right. That, that was quicker than Google. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that wasn't Alexa I was asking. That was fantastic. I love that. Oh, buddy. Well, thank you so much, Joe. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, you asked me before of, of how – Things are going with, you know, the staff and, and people I'm still in touch with. They're, all of us, to, to a T, to every person down the line, just think the world of you for what you've been doing through this crisis and leading us. Um, your sense of humor, but also, you know, your sense of humanity, your sense of uh, value and purpose that you add, that you are doing things right, wrong, or indifferent to whoever's opinions out there, you are taking care of our community. And that's number one on anybody's list that has to get done. And, and you did that from day one. I remember when we found out that Thursday, uh, March 12th, that we were kind of pumping the brakes here and we were not going to come back in on Friday. And, you know, the basketball season got canceled. Then I was coaching with Dakota and uh, the wheels really started falling off. Your poise and your communication day in and day out there to get us going in this new direction was just fantastic. And I know you didn't have some playbook that you were looking up, step one, step two. You were going by heart. You were going by what's, what you thought was right. And, and again, the service leadership that you have that mindset uh, for was leading the way. And so it's not surprising to me knowing you know, who you are and knowing a little bit about, you know, about your backstory. But I think a lot of people don't know that. And that's why you do what you do. So um, things are going 
as great as they can be for us because of you. So I definitely wanted to thank you from uh, our staff and our students too. Uh, I, I appreciate that, John. That, that means a great deal to me. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't talk uh, much about my mom and I, that's a whole other um, lengthy discussion. Um, but, you know, my mom shared with me, which is, which is another really important lesson, is that hope is something that can't be taken from you. It has to be surrendered. Mm. Um, if you don't surrender it, uh, you'll always hang on to it. And so now is the time to be hopeful more than, than ever. So um, as tough as uh, things might be, if it's a nice day out, go outside and enjoy the nice day. Absolutely. Um, if it's not nice out, then watch a, another episode of um, Joe Exotic and the Lion People. So, do you want do you want uh, my students to reach out to you and, and give you this information that you are seeking about who? If someone has the answer. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't think anyone has the definitive answer, but boy, if they've got some insight, I'm all ears. There you go. So make sure you reach out to Doctor Deponio, you guys, and fill him in on this this gaping hole in his mind that is there because he cannot figure this out. He, he needs to know the truth on this. Uh, that's awesome, Joe. Well, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, maybe there'll be some other time you can share some other stories. And uh, I know the kids appreciate it. And, you know, is there anything uh, left to uh, say to our, our, our class of 2020 and something from your heart? Because I know this is, um, nobody signed up for this. Nobody planned this to happen, but uh, this is a unique group. And I've been telling some of them in some of my feedback, you're never going to forget this. The class of 2020, and my wife brought this up too. They were born right around or right after 9-11. Right. And now as they're finishing high school and starting adulthood, they are, this has been, this curveball has been thrown at them too. Two unique, um, you know, history mo moments of our country, of the world really. And they are part of both pieces of it. So there's, is there a couple uh, thoughts to end this uh, that you wanted to, to share with our seniors? Yeah. I, you know, you're, you're part of being, um, you know, a part of the Lakeshore history. Uh, this, this does not erase it. You know, I, I, I again want you guys to know that we'll do everything we possibly can to make sure that all of those rites of passage that you have earned are entitled to, that we're going to make sure that, that those things happen, again, as best we possibly can. We've talked about a number of different scenarios that, that we, um, we hope to, to pull off here in the, the coming uh, weeks and, and months. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just want you to, to always remember that, you know, the, the DNA that you have in you is, is partially developed by Lakeshore in uh, Lakeshore DNA is developed because you were a part of it, and and no um, no virus can can ever erase that. So, um, you know, I appreciate everything that you guys have done, and uh, and we'll continue to to look for ways to celebrate the accomplishments of your class and the contributions of your class. And if that means we do it tomorrow, then we'll do it tomorrow. If that means we do it in a year, we, we do it in a year. But I can assure you that that it's going to get done. So um, uh, for any of you that might have thoughts or, or ideas or if there's some, anything that I can do, you want me to come over to your house, you gather your family together and we, we have a commencement for you at your house. But, uh, you tell me when and where and, and we'll be there cap and gown and with the diploma in hand. Uh, if we want to wait for um, to get together, which, which we certainly will do, uh, then we can wait. 
Love that. Love that. Thank you so much, man. You, you almost sound like a science teacher there for a moment. <laughs> no, no science teacher. <laughs> All right, buddy. Can you hang out a quick minute here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. All right, you guys. I hope you found uh, that very, very uh, insightful and a lot of value uh, to some of the lessons and stories that he shared with you. And uh, I know there's no bigger guy that is rooting for you as a class and as individuals for your future. And uh, I just thank him again for spending some time with us today. All right. Take care, you guys. Mm -hmm.